It is Locked on Jazz for the 11th of October. I keep getting asked, what makes you most excited for this jazz season? And the answer's too long for a conversation. So let's make it a podcast. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so very much. For making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day, we are free and we are available on all podcasting apps as well as on YouTube. Please give us five-star review, follow, and if you're on YouTube, please give us a little star note or hit the bell notification so you're notified when we're doing our show. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. A Jazz Spurs tonight, 7 o'clock, Ron Boone and I on the floor on my Instagram account at DLock09 at 6. We'll try to figure out Twitter spaces, though from an arena, Twitter spaces doesn't seem to be working. Um, so we'll see whether or not we can figure that out at some point. Um, there's only so much time uh, before a game to do everything. So Twitter spaces, we've talked about possibly doing a shoot-around and things like that. We'll try to, we'll try to look into it a little bit. All right, a um, few, few notes, um, just kind of update you guys. Yesterday, super cool day. Uh, orientation for the broadcast assistants. So we brought the five new broadcast assistants, two of them from, two of them returning, two of them from out of town, our new producer, Jamil Hawkins, um, all into town and got together and it definitely revved me up. The season, um, is here. So as, as I go around town, the thing that I get asked about the most is what has me the most excited uh, about this season. And I, and I want to see, and it's not an easy answer. And so I, I want to dig into it uh, today. Before I do, and, and, and frankly, it all has to do with um, uh, player development um, and, and all of those kind of items. And so I think that that's why it's a little bit harder um, for so, you know to make to totally make sense out of it. Um, before we do, I wanted to address yesterday's show. I got a uh, a text from a, a a good friend of mine um, who. Um, said, what? Like when I gave out the numbers yesterday. One thing I do pride myself on with you is that I run my numbers without emotion, without connection, and without altering. And then and then live by the consequences that you can then judge whether you think they're worth anything or not. Um, and so when the Jazz come out, as they did, as the 12th best offensive team, surprisingly, I don't think any of us expected that, and then actually could kind of dig into why, and it made a little sense. You know, I think that's my job, is to say to you, you know, hey, like, um, this is what my numbers say. You, you're welcome to then decide you don't agree with them, you, you think it's wrong, but one thing, as long as I'm going to be number-based, I'm not going to alter numbers so that they tell the story that we want to tell. I'm not... Um, on Fox and I'm not on, you know, CNN or MSNBC. Um, so I'm not going to like, I listen to these economists right now. I find it laughable if you've actually read any 
buddy, what everyone says about the economy is you have no idea what's happening. It's never happened before. There's no, the, the guys that are number based or women are number based will tell you like, we don't know. We've never had these five trends going on at the same time. It's not clear what's next. It's not clear what's going to happen. And then you get the people with their agenda that go and use like a third of the numbers to push their agenda. I, I, I'm not going to do that. So when I run my numbers and it has the jazz come up as 12th on the offensive rankings, then guess what? I'm going to share with you that the Jazz are 12th in the offensive rankings. So, I, you know, it's not like just want to kind of be clear on that. Um, and then you, you get to decide because I gave you the information whether or not you believe it or not. That, that's the way this show should always work. Is it anything I ever tell you? It's the way everything should work. Is that you have the brain power, uh, the independent thinking, and to be able to decide whether or not you buy what you're being told. All right, so let's get to what actually has me excited about the season. Everyone, it is. It's the number one question. I think it's a little bit of a question like, gosh, what should I – you know, um, I, I joked with Thurl the other day at the scrimmage. You know, th- three or four people came up to us at the scrimmage and asked for a program. And, like, I, I said to Thurl, I said, wow, you know, like, Bowler and you might be the two recognizable people in the building right now. And I, there is a little bit of that. Like, okay, well, like, I don't know the players entirely, so what am I excited about? Um. And here's what, I, here's what I have. And I'm going to start it actually with Will Hardy. Um, and and what I, the big picture on every single player almost on this roster, other than maybe Mike Conley and Jordan Clarkson, and then that will change if Jordan Clarkson starts, is that every, these players have all, they're all incredible uh, because they're in the league. Um, there's only 450 of them in the league, and these guys are in it. Um, they all actually have a pretty high-level accolades somewhere in their lives, in their careers, every single one of them, none of them have come from kind of nowhere, right? Like Jared Vanderbilt is probably, you know, the best like story. He came out of Kentucky, right? He was clearly one of the top 10 recruits in the country if he went to Kentucky. So every single one of these guys comes with, you know, high level. Uh, Balmero was the best player in Argentina. His dad was Manu Ginobili's coach. He was a top, you know, first round draft pick. Like every single one of these guys comes with something. Jared Butler you know, won an NBA title or NCAA title at Baylor, he's probably got the least accolades of anyone as the 40th pick of a draft. But so every single one of them comes with actually some level. Stanley Johnson was, you know, top 10 pick. High level, high level um, accolades. And almost every single one of them also has a significant step that they need to try to take in their career. That combination to me is really cool. So... What we get to watch with these guys is a bunch of wildly skilled and talented and amazing players who are trying to see if they can add the piece to their puzzle that makes them go from being really good to absolutely exceptional. And to me, that's going to be really fun to watch. And I actually think, you know, Will Hardy comes with this amazing resume And I think, like, one of the things that will be interesting to me on Will Hardy, there's probably going to be nothing tougher in his NBA coaching career than year one of this in which he is trying to get a group of non-passers to pass and he is trying to get a group that could have a hard time notching wins to stay engaged without any resume, accolades, or anything else he can hang a hat on. Like, to me... That's a pretty incredible story. So that, and, and that one probably has the biggest long-term impact on our franchise. Is it, this guy's going to be our head coach for a long, long time. They believe in him. They gave him a five-year contract. He's going to probably be around a lot longer than that. 
And here he prop I would guess that this will be the single most difficult season for him as a head coach. There'll probably be some roster churn. There's going to be trying to get players to to buy into something, to try to get players to stay engaged, all without accolades, and maybe without a lot of standing success. And then the other thing is, by definition, what I'm about to talk about with each and all of our players, all of our players are at a stage in their career where they have not established their own personal value yet, which is what's exciting But from a coaching standpoint, there's kind of a general rule in this league that you can't get players to think about the team until you can get them there, until they've established their own personal value. It's actually universally true in life. Um, It's not about NBA players. If you think about your sales staff or if you're selling insurance or you're working with insurance and you've got brokers out there, like whatever it might be, it's out there that you're doing. Whenever you're meeting with groups and traveling and, you know, you could be going down to the south to meet with a group. You could be going to the north to meet with a group. You could be going to Charlotte, North Carolina, and you're meeting with your your group. And, you know, the fact is that everyone in that room is trying to establish their own personal value before they're going to buy into what the team's doing. Now, what the team's doing might help them establish their own personal value. And then they're probably in as long as that's still the case. But that's going to be their first check. So the first one that really excites me on the season is watching this first-year head coach pull off what I think is going to be his most difficult year of his career. The second one is gets into the players. And when you run down the list of our players, and we're about to do this, they all have accolades, they all have done something impressive, and they all have a pretty good size step, gap, whatever you want to call it, for them to fulfill in their career and watching them do it it's going to be really great. So we're going to do that next. We'll start with Lowry Markkinen and Colin Sexton and Jared Vanderbilt and the guys you're probably going to see the most on the floor this year. Um, and, and, we'll, and we'll start there and kind of break that all down of how those guys all look and how that's all going to play um, as we continue. Today's uh, game, by the way, 7 o'clock tip-off as we get ready uh, to see the Spurs. Spurs are a little injured, limited. They um, they did a super interesting, great community practice the other day where they went to the town near San Antonio, which had the school shooting, and hosted an event. You know, just really super NBA work there. Um, just got to tip my hat uh, to everything going on uh, in that regard. So tip of the hat to the Spurs organization for that. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Hyundai. Uh, Murdoch Hyundai is located at 4646 South State Street in Murray. It's also located in Logan, and it's located in Linden. There are 150 new Hyundais available now. So Santa Fe's, Tucson's, Kona's, Sonata's, they're all available right now. The 2023 Kona and Santa Fe and Sonata are 1.9% for three years. So the time is now, and the inventory is picking up. Uh, The Sonata is what I'm driving right now. It's the sedan. It is... Got every bell, every whistle souped up, beautiful. One of the features I love, you hit the turning signal and the inside um, where your miles per hour and your RPMs used to be in circles, turn, actually the middle of this one, just turns into a mirror. So I don't have to take my eyes off the road if I want to change signal. It moves right to um, one, it gives me a camera right to the side of the car. I'm not looking back. I'm not taking my eyes off the road. I love it for our daughter as well. Uh, the Ionics out there as well, that's their electric car. It is a little bit of a wait list on that, but there's a reason why it's just blowing away all the research and all of the reviews right now. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also in Logan. And in Linden, if you're going to head down and get a test drive or look at some of the cars, why don't you email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com so that I can set you up with Cam. 
am here in Salt Lake City, where I can set you up uh, with Jared down at, in Utah County and give you a VIP treatment with the guys. That's all at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar and White Chocolate Pumpkin Pie Puff. It's out 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, just 7 grams of sugar. White Chocolate Pumpkin Pie Puff. The German Chocolate Cake Bar is still available and Mud Pie Bar and Puffs are there for you. Plus brownie batter, banana cream pie, coconut marshmallow and churro. Puff bars are all there. The macros are remarkable. 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, 4 net carbs, 4 sugars, and 17 grams of protein. The promo code is LOCKEDON15. That's the best deal you can get anywhere on Built Bars. You can do it on any and all of your orders. That's LOCKEDON15 at Built.com to get your latest shipment of Built Bars, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. All right, let's start walking through uh, some of our guys and get what I'm talking about here. Um, and by the way, uh, thanks for making Lockdown Jazz the first listen of the day. Really appreciate it. All right, so Lowry Markkinen's the first one that has me the most interested and I think is going to be incredible to watch. So so Markkinen's, he, first thing about him, just meeting him, is he, he is just a bona fide, legit 7 feet, 240 pounds. He's just a massive incredible massive man seventh pick of a draft he's still just 25 years old as we talked about on a past show he in in his second year in the league they kind of unleashed him in Chicago to moderate success he averaged 19 points a game Um, he had nine rebounds and then no one's kind of unleashed him since and they actually have done the opposite with him they've given him less and less time or less and less opportunities and less and less shots and changed his position and also in turn given him also he switched coaches all the time so I think this is, and he is probably, other than Colin Sexton, our most dynamic scorer we have on the roster. And that's not what he's really been asked to do. He's played off other people. He's, he's been scoring on, with a heavy assist rate. And this next step for him in the career is to take this incredible body, this incredible array of skills, and put it together both on individual basis as well as consistently. He has not been the most consistent player um, in his career. And if you look at him, his field goals assisted in that in that 18-19 year, only 52% of his field goals were assisted. By by three years later, 73% of his field goals were assisted. And last year it was 69%. Almost all of his threes are assisted, obviously. So can Markinen take the next step? Can he be a good plus-minus player like he was last year, which was the first time in his career the team's been positive for him on the floor? Um, he played 64% of the time at small forward. That was the experiment last year. Can he actually become a better shooter? Like he actually, if you watch him shoot, everything about him says 40% three-point shooter. He's only 36%. He's actually right at league average as a shooter. Can he be better than league average? He's an 85% free throw shooter. He actually should be a better than league average shooter. Um, can he play and score with some um, success off the bounce? Uh, off the dribble drive, off some pick and rolls. Those have been inconsistent things for him so far in his career, and he hasn't mastered that. Super interesting to watch, as I think Markin will be our first or second option um, offensively. Can he add those skills? That you know, and and it will be little pieces and given nights. First of all, can the three point shooting just go up? And then can we see him make plays off the drive? Can we see him make plays off a tight curl? Can we see him make plays where he's the ball handler off a pick and roll? So those are some of the things on marketing. Super interesting to me to watch that this year. And can he do it night in and night out? That's probably the biggest signature of his career right now is that it has not necessarily been consistent. The reason you're probably not consistent is because your game 
skills have not developed enough so that you're able to do it no matter who the defense is. It's not that you're like inconsistent and that one night you're giving effort and one night you're not giving effort. It is instead that you are trying to, is you're getting matchups that are really, really difficult. And so some nights the matchup works for you and some nights your skill set doesn't. It's not, it's not an issue of effort. Colin Sexton's the next one. Super going to be interesting. 6'1", 190-pounder that was the 8th pick of an NBA draft. So both Markin and Sexton were tenth picks, top 10 picks. Like, that is elite, elite resume stuff to be a top 10 pick. And in, in Sexton's last four, full year, he scored 24 points a game. Like, you just don't have a lot of guys in the league that can do that. He shot 51% on twos. You just don't have a lot of guys in the league that can do that. And yet, there's this, like, cloud above his career right now that... Um, that he that he doesn't play the game in a winning manner, that he doesn't share with his teammates. He got kind of criticized early in his career by the veteran teammates for not moving it. He did have the lowest assist to usage rate of any player in the NBA um, for, I think, two seasons, if I remember correctly. And so th- I think this will be really interesting. You know, can he evolve into a player that, at again, 24 years old, so much time to still evolve, that while part of establishing his own personal value, he also learns that, you know, having an assist rate in the fourth percentile and having an assist usage rate that's the lowest in the NBA is not actually going to be great for my career. And that's actually not what gets me on the route to being the best player and someone that's establishing my highest level um, personal value. So I think that's... Like, I think Sexton's one's really pretty simple. Um, it, and it's just playing kind of in that level. The next one's Jared Vanderbilt. And this one, again, the accolades come. Here's Jared Vanderbilt. He went to Kentucky. I, I don't actually need to, you know, once you're going to Kentucky, you're an elite, elite, elite player. And he went to Kentucky um, as the 13th ranked recruit in the country who had not played his junior year mostly, did not play his senior year in high school, then didn't play most of his freshman year, and then went pro. So he enters the NBA draft having basically not played in three years and still gets drafted. Clearly, people think he's going to be outstanding. He goes to Denver. Same thing gets, happens. He gets hurt again. He plays 17 games. And the next year, he plays 11. And then two years ago, he breaks out. We get him in his third year. This is actually, if you think about him as a third-year player right now, this is when players make their jump, the year two to year three. For Vanderbilt, the energy is amazing. The tenacity is unrelenting. The, he's a pogo stick. He's a live wire. He's rebounding at an awesome rate. His defensive rebounding rate was 25% last year. His offensive rebounding was 13 or 12%, which means that 12% of all of his team's misses, he's grabbing the rebound. Like, that's bona fide. Now, so what's next? Well, everyone wants to talk about his long-range shooting. Like, can he learn how to shoot? I, I'm going to go that I actually am most intrigued by his rim shooting. So last year at the rim... On a guy who dunked 117 times, he shot only 71% at the rim. Well, 71% is really high. Except for if you kind of dig into it a little bit and you suddenly take away the the dunks, then it's not great. And so I want to see, can that wiry body learn how to control himself in a manner so that around the rim he's actually finishing and making plays? Night 197 of his 212 baskets came within five feet. 34% of his shots were dunks last year. You said, and it's not fair. It's totally take away the dunks because not everybody can do it. But if you do take away the dunks, his ability to rim finish isn't elite. And that's for a guy with a 7-1 wingspan and an 8-10 standing reach. That's going to be the next step is how do you 
get yourself to a point where in the midst of traffic and getting body bumped when you're only, you know, 6'9", 214 pounds, maybe 6'10", can you be able to find a way to finish? To me, that's far more important than can he start to shoot threes? Can he expand his game? Like, maybe. But the, 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 the next step for him to really being, you know, truly fabulous is going to be that around the rim finishing um you'll see a lot of him going to the basket outstretched wild left hand layup that goes you know that does that isn't able to finish or in his touch is only okay his free throw shootings a career 62 percent so that's where i am on the three guys you will probably see the most and i find all of these kind of storylines really really interesting now there's a, three guys that actually kind of have the same storyline um coming up so i want to touch on those three guys and and then there's some others as well and what are the things that have me most excited for this year's Utah Jazz season and watching preseason game tonight, 7 o'clock. Ron Boone and I on the floor at 6. Follow me on Instagram at DLock09 to grab that. Follow me on Twitter at DLock09 to see. And then Ron and I will... Um, I don't know if we'll do postcast preseason, but we'll do postcast throughout the regu- throughout the year um, after every game on our, on this YouTube channel as well. All right, uh, today's show brought to you by our good friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks, where you get a hundred percent deposit match up to a hundred dollars with the promo code Locked On. What is Prize Picks for you? It is a easy to play, simple game where you can pick your overs, you can pick your unders, you can choose who you want to have score what. Uh, you can win up to 10 times your money on an early entry. You're not competing against others. It's you versus the projections, and it offers projections on any sport from NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football. You got it. All of them. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, so it's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals currently operational in 30 states and in Canada. So, is Luca going to score more than 26.5? You make the bet. Great way to figure it out. Download the prize to watch the game. Download the Prize Picks app. Go to prizepicks.com and sign up for your daily fantasy sports. First time users receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. And if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. So don't forget to entry code, promo code locked on to sign up for an instant deposit match at $100. Do you know your team so well that you can win? Go to prizepicks.com and enter in the promo code LOCKED ON. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. Every day we are free and available on all platforms. And we are your team every day. For your second listen today, Locked On NBA Big Board is available for you uh, with the guys breaking down the latest of the NBA draft and how it's all playing out. So the next group of guys are, again, really, really... And this group might be the most interesting. The the guys I either talked about, even if they don't grab the next level skill, have a long, long NBA career ahead of them. The guys I'm about to talk about, I think, actually, are all on the precipice of whether or not this this season determines where their NBA career goes. So the first one's Nikhil Alexander-Walker. And, you know, here's a guy who's a 17th pick of the NBA draft. He's on his fifth coach in four years. You've probably heard that story by now. And he, last year, was one of the least efficient players in all of the NBA. He shot 37% from the field. He shot 31% from three. He was a large reason why we projected to be 12th offensively, because if that doesn't pick up and he's using possessions, it's pretty tough. But this is a guy who's wildly skilled. He's 6'6", he's 205. There's a million routes for a kid who's 6'6", 205 to become a viable NBA player. And he's got to figure out 
what it is he's going to do and how he's going to play. What, one of the things I actually think is to his detriment is that at 6'6", with a high release, he's able to get rid of the ball really, really easily uh, all the time on shots. And he ends up, I think, taking really poor shots because of it. And, you know, one of the things that happened to him in Utah is he just became exclusively one-on-one. Only 17% of his field goals, he only played 15 games, were assisted. This is what happened to him in his rookie year, too. When he came out of Virginia Tech and came to the, from the New Orleans Pel- to the New Orleans Pelicans, he was thought to be a, a combo, like third guard, maybe even a two guard. Not If you go read his projections, he's not supposed to be a point guard. He goes to Summer League that year, and he dominates Summer League. And they get so excited about him in Summer League that they change him to a point guard. Well, it ends up happening is that of his two-point field goals in his rookie year, only 19% of them are assisted. So he's becoming an exclusively isolation player in his first year in New Orleans. And then in his, in his next year, they kind of switch him back to kind of a pure shooting guard, and he goes back to having about 35, 40% of his, his 34, 35% of his, thing, of his field goals um, are assisted, which is not, which is still not a great number, frankly, um, for him. And then last year he, he gets back up to with Willie green. He gets back up to 41% and he's not particularly efficient, but it's a sign of kind of the evolution of how he's being used and what his game has been. And he's got to, you know, he's got to figure this out. His field goal percentage of field goal attempts, um, for distance is he's really pretty good at being last year became almost, you know, 50% of his shots are three point shots, which is probably right for guard. And then 22% of his shots are at the rim. You'd probably like that a time at high, but it's not like he's a mid range maven or living in inefficiency of shots. I actually think it's that he can get shots off that most guys can't get off. And therefore um, he struggles with it. His, his length allows him to be good defensively. His athleticism allows him to do multiple things on the floor and play multiple positions and to defend multiple positions. And the question is going to be whether he can be efficient and I think it's going to be super interesting to watch him and this is where Will Hardy getting a team to pass that are non-passers Nikhil Alexander Walker fits into that Taylor Horton Tucker is another one here's Taylor Horton Tucker he's 21 years old he was a major prospect out of Chicago he's this incredible body at 6'4 234 pounds so he's like a little bit more of a bowling ball than the traditional NBA player and he's got a seven foot one reach and he's kind of the same story he in his he was the talk of the town in his first year he spent most of it in the G League in the second year he has a pretty good year and then last year he suddenly gets wildly inefficient as his numbers go from twenty to twenty five percent or twenty minutes to twenty five minutes and he's not a good outside shooter his career numbers twenty eight percent can he find a way to be an effective offensive player without the three point shot that's you know I I don't think you're going to suddenly have a guy who's a twenty six what I just say twenty six percent twenty seven percent. 28% three-point shooter who suddenly becomes this like 36% three-point shooter. Can he work his way up a tiny bit, but can he actually play with the ball in his hands as we talked about yesterday and have gravity and have an impact on things um, to open up opportunities for him? And can he create opportunities for his teammates? Um, he's incredible athlete. He finishes 61% at the rim and 41% in the floater zone he's got to be, that's actually probably more important. Can he improve those numbers? Can he find a way to use his body and his bulk and his length and be a better than 61% rim finisher and a better than a 40% floater shooter? 40% a little inefficient. Um, that shot's not a particularly great shot. That's about league average. But can he, he's, can he be better than league average? If you're going to be less good than most of the guys on three-point shooting, can you be above league average in other areas? I think that's going to be a fascinating one 
for him to watch on Taylor Horton Tucker. And then the guy who's kind of become my personal favorite, um, and there's reasons why he may not even make the roster. I think he probably would, but uh, Leandro Balmero is another one who's only played 35 games. He was a first-round draft pick in 2020. Didn't come to league till 2021 due to, I think, COVID and some other things. Um, so he's a 22-year-old second-year player. The usual trajectory of a player is that their first year they fail or they fail at a lot of things. And then their second year in the league, they actually fail at the same things again. Their third year in the league, they get better. So he's not at the natural projection where he gets better. But he had a really tough year last year. Um he ended up kind of having a span of about seven games where he got a lot of time and he didn't do well. And then he kind of statistically, at least it looks like he shut down. I, you know, and talking to people in Minnesota, it, it, it became a little overwhelming. It seems like here's a guy who's six, six, again, multiple routes on how he can be successful in the league who can handle it beautifully, get anywhere he wants to get to on the floor with his dribble can create anything he wants for the offense. Who is a, who, you know, has a wonderful natural feel for the game. He did a, had a play on the right wing where he went in and out with a dribble to just make the defender take a step so he could inside out pass it to the wing. Um, he's got a, he's just got a beautiful feel for the game. That's what I love about him. But he, he has clearly not shown the ability to shoot. He was not a great shooter in Argentina. He, um, and, you know, what is he, can he take that? Again, same thing, right? Great accolades. He was Argentina's number one player. He was drafted by, um, the Minnesota Timberwolves with the 23rd pick of the 2020 draft. Um, so he's a top 25 pick in the NBA draft and he's got all these great skills. And now can he add the skill on top of that, that is going to allow him to have a prosperous NBA career. And this is really the theme on all these guys. Simone Foncecchio, we probably could say the same thing. I just don't know enough about his game. Walker Kessler and uh, Abaji, we probably could say the same thing, but we haven't seen enough of their games to know what the skill is that we're putting on top yet. But what we have with all of these guys, all of them, is these incredible skill sets. And then the question is, can they put a skill on top this year that changes them from either being like Sexton, Markin, and Vanderbilt, Beasley, Beasley the same thing. Beasley's this elite, elite level shooter. Can he put some sort of off-the-bounce game together that's efficient and, and well, that moves them from like good to really good, not probably to great. That's a different level that you start at top, you know, some of these guys are top 10 picks, but that you just kind of, and then this other tier can, can, that's going to give them a viable NBA career. Like, you know, if we're honest, like Taylor Horton Tucker and Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Paul Merrow are trying to fight to f- see if they can be bona fide rotation players in the NBA. It's kind of awesome to watch guys at this stage of their career do this. And it's going to be super fun on a night-to-night basis to, like, talk about, like, who are our three stars and who are the guys that made the step? And, oh, wow, there's the step. And then the next night we don't see it. Like, oh, okay, well, can you go back and find it again? Um, and that's what has me excited about the season. And if I'm walking around the street and you ask me that question and I talk at you straight for 30 minutes, you'd think I was really weird. So I did it in a podcast today where hopefully you don't think I'm quite as strange. Have a great day. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Locked on Jazz. We'll talk to you tonight, six o'clock Ron Boone and I on the floor on Instagram at DLock09 and then we'll uh, 7 o'clock tip off pregame show with Tim Lacombe and Jake Scott starts at 6 o'clock on 97.5 FM great to have you aboard thanks so much for tuning in to Locked on Jazz it is your team every day